0: back to the only streaming service that is still free. It's zero credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Streaming Henry. And together we're Henry and John coming at you to discuss the cultural happenings of the, vite, the zeitgeist of our vices. My vice, John, who has yet to say a word on this podcast episode. It might not actually be here, could be imagining the whole thing. How are you doing today? I'm good. What's mm. your vice? You had, a, you had oh, a lead in. Yeah, it's beer. Oh yeah, mine is also beer. Torpedo. Torpedo Extra IPA. We have in our hands six of the last eleven, weird count I know, ec- Torpedo I- Extra IPAs in this house. And I want you to know, fam and John, this beer will never enter these hallowed halls again. Not for the lack of it being, it's a decent beer. Yeah. I do not begrudge this beer. I just don't want to drink it any longer. And by these hallowed halls, you mean your mouth and body. <laughs> yes, my, of course, my body is a temple. Yeah. Your body, the halls, the mouth, the door. My, yeah. The eyes, the windows, the nose, the chimney. Shakespeare wrote it himself when he said, Put that white powder in the, <laughs> in the soul's chimney. That's what he said. He did Cop. a lot of opium. Freud loved coke. Freud and Shakespeare, two names everyone knows, but they always get them mixed up. <laughs> oh, <what? laughs> They're like, yeah, you know. Uh, uh, we're in a weird spirit. I had a different joke to open this podcast and I just remembered it when you said Shakespeare and Freud. Uh, Do you want to go back and do it again? I'll just say it now. Okay. In 2005, Whose Line Is It Anyway was doing a taping and Drew Carey asked for two characters. Uh, Not two characters. So who are two people that probably wouldn't get along? And this was 2005. And the audience said, Bill Cosby and Hitler. And uh, the, the censor walked on and told him talked to Drew Carey cuz one one of these names is really offensive and told him he could not use Hitler. And boy today Hitler's in the movies and Bill Cosby's in jail. How the times have. This isn't really a joke. This is just like a thing that I saw today because I'm sad and I'm just watching YouTube videos all day. Wait, were we were watching YouTube videos of whose line is it anyway? Bloopers. Oh, they're really good. That's pretty good. That that would almost be a stand-up joke. Oh man, that that's a long walk to nothing. There's no punchline there. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Hitler's all over the movies. Uh, when is he going to host? Kids say the darndest things. I want him to host the Kids Choice Awards. <laughs> That'd be great. What? I am Zia uh, host. You got slimed. <laughs> that's what Werner works. Out. <laughs> oh no! I am Zia host. Yeah,
1: kid so, Hitler.
0: K- Kidler. Uh Let's leave Hitler out of our mouths. The doors of to our, our bodies. To our cocaine holes. Uh, Wait, no, the mouth is the cocaine hole. So no, that's my nose. What's happening? The nose where the coke. The nose is where the coke goes. <laughs> that's how it rhymes. Ah, uh, so John. We have been swept, and by we I mean the world, have been swept by this phenomenon known as Pokemon. Pokemon! Pokemon. Gotta catch em all. Pokemon! Gotta catch em all. That's the song. Pokemon! Ooh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> uh, Sword and Shield. Oh, that's what I was going to talk about. Uh, released last Friday. It did it to, and there was a lot of controversy about its stupid release. But I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to read one Reddit post from user Mister Unz Uh and this Reddit post is, is entitled "Sword and Shield" could quite possibly be the best entries in the series if it weren't for this one problem. Uh, Hey everyone, I just downloaded my copy of Pokemon Sword yesterday, and I gotta say, I was having an absolute blast. As soon as I booted the game up, I was blown away by the quality of the animations, and it became clear to me why Game Freak needed to remove half the decks to make room for these absolutely jaw-dropping visuals. Once I finally got that view of that beautiful Galarian countryside, I knew that I would not rest until I had completed my gym challenge risen to the top of the Pokemon League, and caught them all. But there's one problem. The first section of the game went off without a hitch for the most part, but at one point I encountered a character that, among other things, mentioned to me that the champion of the Galar region was undefeated, and may or may not have possessed a Charizard. I thought this to be strange, but didn't pay it much mind and continued through the tutorial, chalking it up to some translation error or perhaps a glitch in the game's code. However, as I progressed through the game, I could tell something was wrong, as more and more characters seemed to mention this undefeated champion and his Charizard. I began, began to worry. Maybe the Japanese name for Charizard was similar to the name for Maricactus? Was it possible that the Japanese used the word undefeated as slang for kind and generous? My mind raced, looking for a way to make sense of what I had read, desperately searching for some way to rule out the unthinkable. And then I saw him. My heart sank. Leon, flaming orange Charizard by his side, proudly proclaimed himself to be undefeated, with hordes of frenzied onlookers echoing his sentiments. I couldn't believe it. How was I supposed to accomplish my goal of becoming Galar champion if the current holder of the title was undefeated? My dreams crumbled before my very eyes as Leon struck his signature undefeated Charizard pose. Acting on instinct, I quickly turned my switch off. This must be a glitch, right? I said to myself out loud. It has to be. I'll just reset the game and everything will be fine. No use. Upon rebooting the game, Leon delivered his famous undefeated Charizard speech once more. Desperate for a way out, I reset once again, but the outcome was the same. Charizard, reset. Undefeated, reset. Charizard, reset. Undefeated, reset. Tears began to stream down my face. Hey, have you met my undefeated Charizard? (laughs) brother? Hey, have you met my undefeated Charizard owning brother? Asked Galarian How. He's undefeated, which by extension makes Charizard <laughs> the one that he owns. Undefeated too. My in-game avatar, that my in-game avatar looked on at Galarian Hue with a blank, glassy expression as I cried out in anguish. Years of preparation for my journey to become champion of the first ever time on Nintendo Switch, and they were dashed in an instant by an undefeated Charizard-owning champion. I threw my Switch against the wall of my bedroom and buried my face in my pillow, sobbing and mourning a long-awaited dream that would never come to fruition. Anyway, has anyone else had this glitch? I'd like to complete the game, but the whole undefeated champion of a Charizard thing has to be pretty discouraged. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. <laughs> so, yeah, so there's a major glitch in that in the first few minutes of the game, you meet a character that is undefeated. Is an undefeated champion with a un- Charizard. With a Charizard. Undefeated Leon un- un- champion with an undefeated Charizard. How do you. How, why would I, 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 I. My sentiments with Mr. Unsoons. How do you defeat an undefeated champion? How do you defeat an undefeated champion with an undefeated Charizard? How do you do it? It doesn't seem right. I'm not very far into the game, but I'm hoping I don't get struck by this game-breaking glitch. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Uh, Uh, I've got Pokemon thoughts. Okay. I'm a... (laughs) Very dismissive. Very dismissive. I think... That is the record. That is the (laughs) highest pitch, most dismissal okay I've ever said on the podcast. What I meant to say is, well, let's continue with that, John. Yeah, I don't know if you wanted to say anything else about Pokemon, did you? I am very much enjoying it. My Wooloo turned into a Dubwool. We give Wooloos too much lenience in this world. In the first hour of this game, you're constantly dealing with Wooloos. Oh, yeah. Wooloo's on the train tracks. Wooloo's blocking your path. Wooloo's breaking down a gate where you interact with a thing that goes grind. Mine went grind. Oh, wow. Mine made a different noise. Must be different. Oh, Oh, no, no, you're 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 playing shield, aren't you? I am. Fuck, I'm also playing shield. You're also, really? Yeah, Jamie's got sword. Yeah, mine went grind. Mine probably did too. I (laughs) was just so caught up in the Wooloo of it all. I was caught up in the Wooloo of it all. Uh, no. We give Wooloos too much leniency. Uh, I think the game is very, very, very good. I'm having a ton of fun with it, and this is a person. I have played every single Pokemon game that has come out. Uh -uh. From... Red. Yes. Gold. Yes. Blue? Yes. Green. No, okay. That has come out in the USA. Okay, fair. Blue? Yes. Pearl. Yeah, well, I had Diamond. Sapphire. Yeah. Emerald. I actually skipped that one. Really? I have played all but one (laughs) Pokemon game that has come out. I have at least participated in every generation. X. Yeah. Y. I think I had Y. Okay, but I mean every generation, yeah. Yeah, so I participated in every generation, and I Sun and Moon really was a chore to get through, like... It, the amount of just cutscenes and hand holding and every. all the story just plowed in your face over and over again. I don't know. And then I Ultra, Sun and Ultraman, I was like, oh, they said they changed the story. And then they didn't? Yeah. And so I never finished that one. But it's so refreshing to be like, hey, you're on. start your your gym challenge. Go on your way. And yeah, Hop shows up every now and then and wants to battle literally every five minutes and that's whatever. Yeah. He doesn't change his goddamn roster. I'm not complaining. Hop is... So a couple things. Uh, they did exactly what they needed to in that they made a Pokemon game that is different enough. Number yeah. one, your your rival chooses the Pokemon that is weaker to yours. Yeah, it's happened a while. Has it? Yeah. What? Yeah, this, okay, let me tell you when I checked out. When did you check out? Diamond. Okay, so yeah, I think starting maybe an X, they started doing, instead of like a mean rival, like a friendly rival. Oh, okay. Well, then this isn't new. Yeah. Uh, But I thought that was interesting. But they did exactly what they needed to with this game. For me, someone who opted out of Pokemon when it became too much of a chore. Yeah. uh, Because I played Pearl. Or, yeah. Diamond. Diamond. One of them. Platinum. The DS one. Yeah, I played the DS one, and it was fine. It kind of sucked because the story was just yeah. I don't know. It was fine. Um, but then eventually, I decided to pick this back up because the Switch is the best video game console out currently. Uh, by my enough. for the purposes that I need it for. Yeah. Uh, so I picked this up because it's been a while since I played a Pokemon. I was interested in Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee, but the way that that game played made me want to kill myself. <laughs> I was, wow! I was not a fan because I don't like the way that you play Pokemon Go. Yeah, no, and that's all that was. Yeah, I don't, I'm, and I get people who like Pokemon Go, it's just not for me. Yeah. Uh, so I picked this up knowing that it was a traditional Pokemon game, and it does, they fucking nailed it. Because when I started playing, I was like, the one thing I want this to be is to make me feel like the first time I played a Pokemon game, which is to make me feel like I'm on a journey. Yeah, yeah. Make I want to feel like I'm the star of my own little show, (laughs) which is the best Pokemon games do that. The the thing that is so addictive to me about the Pokemon series is exactly that, the journey. Like, the growing stronger with your friends, the getting access to more Pokemon. And you you form, like, these little bonds with these little creatures. And it's just so fun to watch these, like, it's because of you that they're all getting stronger. Yeah. And changing and becoming better that i have dreams of that like i'll i have reoccurring dreams of like i'm playing a new pokemon game and i'm excited to find the new pokemon and level up and see what happens when they change and stuff and uh so having played through every generation i got into this loop where it's like i needed to know everything before the game came out but for sword and shield i was like no i'm not going to do that this time and uh, they even helped out a little bit because they didn't show off everything. Yeah, they they did a really good job keeping the cards close to the chest. The only thing that I knew about Pokemon Sword and Shield was I looked up the exclusives between the two versions okay. to know which one to buy. Yeah. Um, very sad that I'm missing out on Surfetched, but I do love a Ponita. I can uh, I can trade you one sometime. Yeah, that would be great because uh, I, I got one randomly from a wonder trade. What? Or a, a, a surprise trade. Amazing. Yeah. You got a Farfetch'd? Yeah, go one. I really like Farfetch'd. And sirfetch is very cool. Yeah. Um, I'll give you a ponita. Pune- well, you're doing Shield, too. Yeah, so uh, when Jamie gets to the area with farfetches I we, perfect. she'll catch a bunch and send them to us. But, uh, yeah, so... I don't know if this counts as a spoiler... I don't even want to talk about it because it's the thing that turned me around because I, I really liked the game. I felt like it was is really it, well done. It's the first gym battle. It's the battle. first gym battle. Yeah. Because the way that they portray the like gym challenge yeah. gave me the exact same feeling I felt when I played the first Pokemon when I was like eight years old, which is the feeling of I'm going on a journey and these like gym fights are big deals. Yeah. They're they're huge, hard won events. And yes, every gym fight for me has been ludicrously easy oh, because well, i picked yeah. the grass starter yeah and there's the first guy's a grass guy so as long as you grab like a growlith, you're fine the second, second one's a water, water one so you just use your starter i mean what are you gonna do now the third person's fire the third person's fire man i really wish i had a car coal or something oh yeah i have a car coal. i have a car coal. what are you gonna do against his car coal fuck <laughs> um it, I, so i i don't think it is a spoiler To say that the game is based largely on, like, England, on the UK. Yeah. Uh, And it takes from UK culture, like, soccer culture. Or saying that when people are bad at directions, they're pants at directions. They're pants at directions. Americans couldn't have written that. Take take this item for the chin wagging I gave you. Yeah, chin wagging. I'm feeling downhearted. I'll see you at mine. Yeah, yeah. So good. But uh, so the gym battles—I don't think it's a spoiler to say—take place in large like soccer stadiums. Yeah, they make it feel like the World Cup. It, it's it's pretty amazing. Like each event is like because this is like an annual challenge, a gym challenge that a bunch of people go on, mm-hmm. and people just turn out for it. And you have livery, like you, yeah. you wear your own like little soccer outfit. It feels like a sport. What number did you choose? Uh, Twenty-four. Oh. Huh. Whenever I have the option to choose a number to go on the back of a jersey in a video game, I choose 24 because that's Marshawn Lynch. Oh, nice. Okay. It was either that or zero, zero, 000. And then from looking at screenshots, a lot of people chose that. So glad I went with 24. Uh,. Oh, what number did you choose? 999. Nine, nine. Very nice. <laughs> Perfect. Like, That's also a pretty popular one from the pictures aw, I've seen. What a, I was like, they're they're letting me choose a number. I'm going to make myself like dead last. Yeah, I wanted to be 000 because I thought that would be funny, but pretty popular. Um, the funny thing is I'm playing, of course, as a girl mm-hmm. with long hair. And so I can actually see my jersey number. The hair just goes oh, right really over. Nice. So it's like, ah, why did I even pick this? So one thing that really struck me about this, and this might have been in previous Pokemon games, is representation is incredible in this game. I'm playing a dude, a brown dude, and his family is brown, and oh, their yeah. appearance changes based on what you pick. Like yep. your mom's like hairstyle changes and stuff. Yeah, absolutely. It's so cool. Because when I start playing a Pokemon game and my character is a brown kid and then his friend and rival is a brown kid and his mom is brown yeah. and Rose is brown and Leon is brown. Yeah. Incredible. So so a weekend or two ago the hashtag uh thank thanks gam Whoa thanks Game Freak, started, thanks gam freak. <laughs> It started trending. And uh, the reason for that was because of representation. A yeah. bunch of people who are like, who were very happy to see that sort of representation done and done well, were just thanking Game Freak for doing that because they're a Japanese company. They really haven't they're, done. They're, you, you're you haven't slower to adapt. Yeah, you haven't. Well, Game Freak and the Pokemon Company, especially, they haven't really done that before. They haven't really put other ethnicities or representation into their game before. Yeah. It's only been very recently you could pick from different shades of person. That's... Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not yeah. saying this the correct way. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, the, the thank you Game Freak that then got sort of uh, perverted into fuck you Game Freak because yeah. people were mad about for other reasons. Uh, dumb. It started from a good place because Twitter was recognizing the representation that has been... that. The, was, was being done in the, in this new installment. It's even inclusivity in its wording. Because if we go back to almost every Pokemon game. They say. Uh, I think it's typically. Are you a boy or a girl? Yeah. And then you pick whether you're a boy or a girl. Yeah. That's like what's your name? Starting this one. It, it shows you I think eight different pictures. Yes, and it eight. says. Uh, what pick you, the one that looks like you. Yeah, yeah. What do you look like? Or pick the one yeah. that looks like what you? you. What do you look like? I'm like mm-hmm. that's huge. Yeah. That tiny... People talk about how inclusivity is hard. No. That's so easy. Which one looks like you? Which one do you want to look like? Pick that one. Yeah. What's your name? We'll never talk about it. If you notice, they never, like, gender you in dialogue. It rules. Do they? They do sometimes. Do they? It's that big. Uh, Like, so, second gym, I was walking past like a group of people. Mm -hmm. This wasn't a person I could push eight on. Yeah. Uh, It was just like a clump and like a a word box popped Mm -hmm. up. It was like, she's one to watch or something like that. Oh, okay. I I guess I haven't seen that. Because typically I, I only notice them like saying, like, oh, you're a tough Pokemon trainer. Yeah, yeah. Okay. A lot of the direct stuff. It is yeah, they don't gender you because they're talking to you. So yeah. there's no reason for me to gender you. Yeah, or use a pronoun when I'm talking to you. That makes sense. Anyway, but no representation yeah. inclusivity way higher than you would typically expect a Pokemon game. So some things I like about Pokemon, other than the representation and other than the the spectacle that is gym battles, all of these quality of life changes that they added, like universal XP. Universal XP, I think, is pretty okay. It does make me worry sometimes, and so. I'll switch out Pokemon that I think are getting too high because I don't want to make I don't want to trivialize the game. Yeah. I I will say, second gym, I'm tremendously over leveled. What level were you? Um I think my Grookey going into it was like level twenty-four. Yeah, that's about that's about where I was actually. But like everything was a one hit kill at the second gym. Well you well you had type advantage. Yeah. I struggled. Did you have um what's that big cotton head Pokemon that the Grouse Al- Guy? Eldegloss or Elder, Eldegloss? I, so, I do have my Grookey. Well, it... Thwacky. Uh, okay. His second form, much cooler looking. Uh, I don't know what it looks like. but That's so cool that we don't know what this <laughs> shit looks like. Uh, but no, I I got an Eldegloss that I captured. Oh, yeah? That was like a level 23 when I got it. Oh, I tried to capture it. Because like, it like floats up on every once in a while? It floated across a bridge and that, I tried to catch it and then... Uh, it was being a little dick, so I just I was like, "I'm sorry, I have to faint you." Yeah, it's uh, real good. It knows a lot of sing. It's re- it's very jiggly puffy. Yeah, it it knows like round and sing. Yeah, uh, but that's what I use. And just like I taught it, uh, magic leaf from the nice. g- and it just one shot at everything in the, in the water great. gym. Uh, and then I got my sweet baby, my favorite Pokemon of all. Finally, got it to level twenty. I fucking love Gyarados so much. Gyarados is my... I know it's basic, but Gyarados is my favorite Pokemon. So I do have a question. Because I know they took out Dragon Rage as a move. Dragon Rage no longer is a move. So what does it learn when it turns level 20? Bite. Okay. I mean, it's fine. fine. Bite's fine. Bite's fine. Bite's Uh, good. Yeah. No. Gyarados is just my favorite Pokemon. I really wish... I wish I had grown past a point where I loved Gyarados, because yeah, I want to love other water Pokemon, yeah. but, like, water flying's a fine type, you just have to worry about electric. Yeah. Like, You're I, good. I just like Gyarados. Gyarados is pretty decent. Yeah. Yeah. But what about a ooh Ragnar or whatever the Chudl evolution is? That's that big badass turtle. Dra- Dragnot, Drawnar or something. I this is this means nothing to our listeners. I've been playing so much Pokemon and having so much fun. I have not had this much fun with a Pokemon oh, game great. since Red and Blue. Yeah, it's really good. I, I also thing I like soundtrack. The soundtrack. The gym battles it's banging. The fact that when you. Is it a spoiler to talk about the music that happens in gym battles? I don't think... Well, no, this is, Oh, when the... Uh, yeah. So, so, endemic of soccer matches. This mm-hmm. is how you frame it. Endemic of, so- of soccer matches. Uh, the crowd will start chanting. They have chants yeah. that they do. And now you can say it. So, I, in the second gym, I realized what happens is... For the first few Pokemon you face... The first Pokemon the Gym Leader sends out, there is like a relatively low-key version of the Gym Leader soundtrack. For the second one, just the volume goes up. Yeah. And then when they send out their last one, it is a version of the theme that is maximum volume. The crowd changes to start chanting along with it. And every Gym Leader, thus far too, has different chants because they have different music. Yeah. And... Then, when you do the one thing that is special to this game, which is Dynamaxing, which I thought was dumb, but actually rules. I think it's pretty good. I thought Dynamaxing was very dumb, and I did it for the first time, I realized that it's incredible. When you Dynamax, the theme changes to become more rock and roll, the chants become louder. Yeah. So, like, all you hear is this, like, huge riotous chant, rock and roll music, Well, these two And the gym leader always Dynamaxes when you do. Oh, yeah. So it's always two... It's so good. Two Godzillas. It's so good. Dynamax is so good. I can't wait to Gigantamax my Meowth. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Can't wait. Oh, my God. Dynamax is so good. (laughs) It's such a gimmick. Yeah, it's very gimmicky, but... It's three turns of one really powerful move and three pretty generic ones. But goddamn! So in my second gym experience, uh, I was relying because it was water, so I was relying solely on my yamper. Yeah, my my little my little precious corgi who knew. Have not like, caught a Pikachu yet? No. Apparently, you can in the in, in the field. wild. Yeah, yeah. I, I found where they are it's very rare, but I did not catch one. Yeah, fuck a Pikachu! Yamper's better. So it, it had spark. And That's about it. So I took down the first two Pokemon she had with uh, with some difficulty, because Yamper, you know, hits hard, but also gets hit hard. Yeah. And she sent out her, her Dregnaut, or whatever it's called, the big turtle Pokemon. Yeah. And uh, I was like, well, I don't have time to heal, <laughs> so I'll Dynamax. And she Dynamaxed. And, uh, Dynamaxed Yamper is where it's at, dude. <laughs> the first move that the Dregnaut did, Max Darkness or whatever... KO'd my Amper. Perfect. So I was like, oh shit. Oh no. (laughs) You can't, you can't Dynamax again. Yeah. Yeah. So you have to send out a regular ass Pokemon. So like two regular ass Pokemon later, I was like, well, I guess I'll send out my water, my, my starter. Yeah. Uh, it's called Drizzle, I think. Yeah. Because the initial one is... Sobble. Sobble, Drizzle. I don't know the third. Neither do I. But to describe uh, Drizzle to you, Drizzle is an emo boy. Yeah. He, he <laughs> always has his head at like three quarters, <laughs> so it's like covering one eye. Ew, Drizzle's yeah. very good. Drizzle's very good. So is this this emo, emo boy versus this giant turtle? Also, since I chose Grookey, I get the opportunity to beat the shit out of Sobble and Drizzle on a regular basis. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It was just, and then like, of course, the Dynamax weared off. It was like, well, now what are you going to do? You <laughs> yeah. killed half my team, but I am going to win at the end. But like, people are saying that it's easy. I'm like, well, I don't know. I'm still, I'm still struggling through it because yeah. I'm not. I, I don't know. Woolu will or Woolsworth, as I call him, will never leave my team. Yeah, it will always be there. I feel like Pokemon games are always easy if you play them wrong. Because the way to play Pokemon games, right, is to have undying loyalty to your team of real gangsters. Yeah. And then to be like, no matter what fucking happens, my starter's never leaving. There's at least one other Pokemon I have a bond with. He's never leaving. And then I have, like, four that I kind of switch out. I think you're really encouraged to switch out a lot with the... the universal XP Universe- share. And boxes the, anywhere. Boxes anywhere. The wild area, which you can find Pokemon, just tons of different Pokemon. Yeah. And then, like, the raids. I I found out last night that you can just raid from anywhere, basically, if you turn on the online services. And I just, like, hopped on a bunch of people's raids, got a bunch of Pokemon I wouldn't have otherwise gotten. Yeah. Now it's like, well, I'm not going to not use these Pokemon. Mm-hmm. I feel weird about the raids because I think I got a raid for um for like a Dynamaxed goldine Yeah. And then I like immediately Dynamaxed my starter, one shot at it, it was over. Which I don't they do get hard they, har- see, do they, they get- see that happen in real time? I don't know. Who? The people you're raiding with. Yeah, they see it happen in real time. That's crazy. Yeah, all of that happens in real time. Also, they, they turned the uh, the online servers back on for the wild area, so you can see other people in the wild area. Nice. As of today. As of today. In real time, you can see what people are doing in the wild area. Yeah, I'm so excited to go home and play this stupid fucking game. We can talk about this the whole episode. We could. But we shouldn't. We won't. Um, but to, to your point, the raids get harder. So, like, at a certain point... Uh, You can't one-shot them anymore. Yeah. They go to, like, half-health, and they're like, a mysterious barrier appeared. Oh, nice. Then you gotta do three attacks on the barrier, and then do the rest. I I raided a bunch of a friend who was, like, way beyond where I am. Yeah. But the cool thing is, like, raids, you can raid with anyone from any level, and the Pokemon that you catch, if you catch it, will just be to the max of what you can handle. Oh, nice. So just whatever your most recent badge is. Yeah. I was like, "This is all handled well," and I people are like, "There's no end game." I'm like, "You got to raid." Yeah, raiding is the end game. But this also, is so fun. But also, what the fuck are you talking about? There's no end game. The end game is fucking defeating the last gym boss. Well, that yeah, I mean, it, catch all the Pokemon. Yeah, it there's people cannot fucking say there's no end game about a Pokemon game because a Pokemon game has always had the same two requirements for the end game, which is beat the last guy, get all the Pokemon. Yeah. Put that shit on the shelf. I mean, it's in the catchphrase. Yeah. You've got to catch them all. I want to be the very best, like no one ever was. Okay, that's the theme song. To catch them all is my real test. To train them is my cause. Pokemon. If you do both of those things, you're done. You're done. I don't know. It's so good. I have not been this excited about a Pokemon game since I was eight. I have found myself sitting on my couch, playing this game on my Switch, and sitting up out of excitement for some new thing on a fairly regular basis. Yeah, the, the first two hours, no, sorry, two hours, what am I saying? The first hour of this game is just like, <gasps> it's so adorable. like so cute, and so good. I played through, uh, you know, for a, for like the first three hours, and then uh, we, we got the double pack, we got Sword and Shield. And I was like, well, hey Jamie, do you want to play? Because she was she expressed, you know, interest in it. And she's like, oh yeah. So then I got to re-watch the first like couple of hours, but through her eyes. And uh we did this thing where we 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 voiced all the characters in like really obnoxious cogniz accents. Nice. That was real fun. <laughs> it's, it's really fun to read this stuff out loud and just like, oi, my you know <laughs> meet you at mine." Just yeah. Do awful accents, but like, welcome to the Pokemon. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, I, like all of the things that I like hunt, you know, like <gasps> at like oh, I can catch a Wooloo or like Yamper appears here. Yeah, she did like the same exact thing, and it's like I get to relive yeah. my experience through her. So good, dude. <laughs> the Switch is an amazing console, and I think Pokemon Sword and Shield is a really good game. Yeah, for all of the faults that I agree with somewhat, yeah, that the people have raised, yeah, sure, it's still a good game. Like, look and at it's, that; <sighs> it's still better than so, uh, Sun and Moon. They're like, look at that uh, shadow cutoff distance. Look at that popping, like motherfucker. It's the switch. Who cares? Yeah, I'm, th- they're talking about popping, but it's like, how else would the Pokemon? Uh, yeah. We're talking about Poppin', but it's a, it's a full 3D Pokemon game. I can't even talk yeah. to these people. E- even without the Poppin' or whatever, the way Pokemon generate on the map is they suddenly appear from nowhere. Yeah. And it's... what it, Did you want them to get out of a taxi? <laughs> yes. <laughs> did you want them to show up in a car? Yeah. Uh, uh, I will share one. This is the last Pokemon thing we'll talk about and we'll move on. Okay. Um, This is more of an existential thing, which may in some way lead to additional content. I went to purchase uh, Pokemon Shield after researching it for a grand total of five minutes to see what was in it. Amazing. Um, And I also looked up deals. I found it at Walmart on launch day, and only on launch day. All copies of Pokemon was $10 off. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to go to Walmart... Uh, which I never do. Mm-hmm. to make it perfectly clear, unless it serves my love of Pokemon, I do not shop at Walmart, yeah gotcha. for personal reasons and philosophical ones. But it was very strange because it was my day off because I'm off on Fridays. Yeah. So I went to Walmart at about 10, 11 am after I'd done my usual pottering around the house, doing nothing. Uh, But I went to Walmart to purchase it, and it was strange. Because I'm not someone who goes to a physical place to buy video games ever. Yeah. Uh, I buy them digitally, or if I feel like there's, like, scarcity or a deal, I buy them physically. I'm trying to get into a place where I buy more things physically. Because who knows when this shit's going to fall apart. Oh, man, I can't wait for Steam to go offline. Disney Plus puts me much more in tune with the monopolistic uh oh, yeah. approach to media that we have going on right now than ever before but i remember the last time i was in a walmart buying a video game was probably when i was too young to purchase a video game for myself or didn't have the means and i remember like my parents like buying a video game for me yeah what i i walked up to the case i didn't see it in there i went to the guy and I was like, this is the launch day for a video game, something I'm excited about. I remember, like, you know, when Halo 2 came out and I was a child, there was, like, a line. Yeah, yeah. So there's gotta be, like, a line where are all the people... Like, where, where are all the, like, clamoring children? Yeah. And I was like, hey, um, can I get something out of the case? And the guy was, like, texting I when I looked up. He said, Pokemon? <laughs> and I said, Shield. I said, oh, we've got it right here. And like, opened up the thing and just handed it to me. I just bought it. Yeah. I taught... I, an adult, older than the man who was serving me the thing that I wanted, most likely, said the thing that I wanted, he gave it to me. No muss, no fuss, no lines. It's great. It was a total non-event. Yeah. I never buy video games. The last video game I bought physically at a store was Diablo 3. Hmm. So it's been a while. Yeah, and, yeah. And this was, like, years after launch when I bought, like, the game of the year. And The, the cool thing, thing is... Uh, It used to be, like, you know, a big thing, or it had to be gated, or, like, people would, like, look at you weird or something if you asked for, like, a video game. But, like, the world has slowly caught up. Yeah. Everyone's kind of on the same page. Like, the guy who asked you Pokemon was probably, like, he probably had a copy for himself. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like, he struck me as someone was like, I've got my copy. I've talked to a bunch of other, like... Twenty to thirty year olds today who have just bought their copy of Pokemon. I yeah. know what you're here for. So I went to Best. Uh, so I go through Best Buy because until I think it's until next February, I'm still part of the, uh, the 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 last gasp of the Gamers Reward Club. Yes. So I, you know, we would get an automatic like ten percent off of all uh, all video game purchases. So I still do go through them for the most part. And I went to pick up my purchase. Got it. And as I was walking out, the, you know, the, you know how in Best Buy there's always the person like right there when you walk in who tells you, yeah. welcome to Best Buy." He took one look at my purchase and he was like, "Oh, who are you gonna choose?" And I was like, "Oh, Sobble. and he was like, "Oh, I, I had to do Grookey. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, okay," and he's like, yeah. "You have fun now." Man. yeah! I was Hell. like, "Hey, you too, man," and I like walked out. Like, I all of the fears that I had as like a you know as a teenager who was like. Going into GameStop to pick up a new Pokemon game. And they're going to look at me weird because it's like it's a kid's game or whatever. Yeah. All of that's gone now because it doesn't matter. It's because video games used to be like a couple degrees off access from culture. Yeah. So like... People like you and me as children who were very into video games, video games are like a huge part of my identity. They're with a they're the sacred realm where no one could hurt me. I'm Video games are the only place where I feel like I could enter into like a multi-million dollar contest about questions for it and yeah. probably do okay. I wouldn't come in last. Yeah, I would not come in last. But video games are a huge part of me, but a lot of that as a kid was having... Like, discreet, secretive conversations, like, hiding my obsession away. Like, yeah. yes, I would go to an EB Games to purchase Morrowind, yeah. but I wouldn't talk to anyone about Morrowind. So, but now if fucking Skyrim 2 or whatever comes out, yeah. there's gonna be a bunch of people go like, Hey, you here to buy a Skyrim? And that's not to denigrate it, that's just to say all the people who were sad and afraid and in the shadows just grew up yeah. and became the people. Well it's yeah, we we grew up in an environment where for lack of a better term we had to quote hide our power levels, you yes. know. It's like yeah, I'm into this, but I'm not going to be a I'm not going to be obnoxious about it because we knew those people yeah. who were obnoxious about the things they were into. And now it's just like everyone's kind of chill. This is kind of like, yeah, you're into what you're into, you're here for Pokémon, that's great. I see you got the double pack. Enjoy. Yeah, it's great. It's yeah. so bizarre because I know that this is a statement that kind of it it makes perfect sense if you look at it like uh analytically, but it's something that I never imagined would be the case, which is I grew up at the same rate that everyone else did. Yeah. Because you always imagine your aging and the world is staying the same. So you imagine that the, the shames and the fears and the insecurities that you had about the person you were when you were younger would stay the same. But everyone else grew alongside you apace. Yeah. So when you go to buy a Pokemon, it's now normal. Yeah. It's so bizarre that that person knew exactly what I wanted. We didn't even have to go the case. He they, had it. They, a he just drawer. had it, yeah. and there was no one there. And it was it was like buying cigarettes. It was the easiest yeah. thing in the world to do. It, it's like this has become such a truth today that it, it, it is baffling to me that maybe two to three years ago, Saturday Night Live did a skit making fun of Star Wars and like calling it for nerds and stuff. It was like. How are you so out of touch yeah. with the mainstream? Like, so I, I want to say, uh, kind of apropos of nothing, the Mandalorian came out. Yes. Uh, what is it called? Jedi Fallen Order came out on the PlayStation or yeah. know, video games. Those two things, on the PlayStation for video games. Those two things came out, and like everyone is talking about Star Wars, mm-hmm. and I kind of want to like smugly or snarkily just tweet out. What happened to Star Wars fatigue? Yeah, because I think we weren't, we didn't have Star Wars fatigue. What we had was a bad movie. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I don't feel like, and this is me. Don't take this. The bad, as, bad movie was uh, Solo. Yeah. The clarification. Yeah, yeah, the bad absolutely. movie was Solo. And, and don't take this as gospel from me, because I have a much higher appetite for Star Wars than most because uh, Star Wars is my bread and butter as we've discussed multiple times yeah. on this podcast uh, but I feel like we're at a very interesting time for Star Wars because I feel like the two things that we're interfacing with in society right now uh, which is Jedi Fallen Order yeah. and the Mandalorian yeah. they're very good I, I don't want to okay yeah. It it feels like a step or two down from The Spider-Man Ascents, The Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse coinciding with the Spider-Man game on the PS4. Yeah. Like these two beautiful artistic representations of people's loves of these things. Mhm. And it feels a couple steps removed from that cuz The Mandalorian is not as good as Into the Spider-Verse at all. And oh, also Jedi j- Fallen Order seems to be pretty janky but also good. Apples and Oranges. Yeah, but I'm just saying it It feels like people who give a shit about this stuff yeah, are making this stuff. That's the thing. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, no matter what, you, you can say like, oh, superhero fatigue, Star Wars fatigue, whatever. You're like, Oh, we're going to get burnt down in this stuff. I think the secret... And it's not really a big secret is that people like good things yeah people like it when things are <laughs> good People like good things and good things are typically made by people with love in their hearts yeah well I, I mean I, I, yes but I don't want to like limit it to, to that because I wanted to I wanted to bring in like a comparison because there's a there's a pretty funny thing happening right now. Mm, I don't know. I was going to give you like a list of options to talk about, but this is, is happening naturally. That's fine. So That's Char- the most natural way to do it. So Charlie's Angels came out this past weekend. It's a reboot of an old television show. Called Charlie's Angels. Called Charlie's Angels. It stars Kristen Stewart and two other people who are relatively unknown. Um, and it was produced, directed, and two other thinged. By Elizabeth Banks, who mm-hmm. was an actress, still is an actress, and was trying—you know—is dipping her toe into the, the director-producer sort of role. And because maybe it stars women, the conversation kind of lent to, "Oh, we're doing an all-female reboot, of... an all-female reboot of Charlie's Angels, an all-female thing." <laughs> so that's the first thing, but. Elizabeth Banks, before the box office numbers returned, said in an interview if this movie doesn't do well, it just proves that men don't go to women led action movies. Okay. Putting, um... putting the onus only on, on one gender and also discrediting a long history of woman led action films. Including things like Mad Max: Fury Road, Atomic Blonde, Salt, Amo- I... Terminator, Terminator Two, Alien, Aliens. This just, just ignoring a long history of women-led action films yes. that all did well at the, the box oldest. office. Uh, I don't know how much cheek that statement was said with, but I will say the reason why I'm not seeing Charlie's Angels is I feel like the original show was horseshit, and I also feel like uh, all the movies were bad as well, and sure, I'd love to give this one a chance, but it's too much of a risk. So I just want to say, echoing my point, maybe perhaps people just like good things, Yes, and maybe perhaps your directorial producer debut wasn't that good, and I know that's hard to face, Mm -hmm. and I know she's already... No one likes to hear that. (laughs) I know, endemic of her her more recent tweets, where it says, well, if it's gonna flop, you might as well put your name on it four times. She's kind of spinning a little out of control. Okay. I get it. Yeah. We've all had (laughs) something not be received well. I just want to say, please don't attack fans. Don't attack... Never attack the consumer. I mean, I I think that... um, As a creator, the last thing you want to point at is the makeup of society for why your thing isn't bad. Maybe look internally first. I haven't seen Charlie's Angels. I can't say whether or not it's like a work of staggering genius that's failed by our society. (laughs) Well, let's just look at how Sony treated it. Did you see a trailer... For Charlie's Angels in front of any movie you've seen I, I in the will, past few months? I will say that I did hear a lot about it, and that one of my coworkers said they were going to go see it, and I said, What? <laughs> There's a Charlie's <laughs> Angels movie? Yeah, so, that seems out of touch and weird. I have been to the movies, let's just say, in the past six months. Oh, uh, how many uh, trailers did you see for Honey Boy? I've seen two. Hell yeah. Yeah. In the past six months, Let's just say I've been to the movies ten times, because that's not a stretch. Yes. I have never seen anything about Charlie's Angels. No trailers, no spots, no advertising, not even a poster. So, like, maybe if you're looking for a reason why your movie did poorly, look at the marketing at Sony, who yeah. distributed the film. Look at, look at your distributors, who had no faith in you. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, maybe you were a movie that was made just to keep the rights to a property. I'm not suggesting that, but the last Charlie's Angels movie was in 2000, and this just happens to be 19 years later. It's tough to say. Uh, yeah, like I said, I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to its worth, but clearly someone thinks it's, uh, bad. Look, if I make a bad movie, please, for the love of God, take away my phone, because I, I get the inclination... To go to Twitter and and vent out your feelings. Yes. But Elizabeth Banks has also sort of already kind of put her foot in her mouth before. Uh, She claimed that Steven Spielberg has never directed a woman-led film when, in fact, he has done four. Interesting. So, it's. I mean, it's kind of like, hey, uh, you know you've done this before. Yes. You know, you, you've said something you shouldn't have said. Maybe. Maybe rein it in. I creators, I creators shouldn't have Twitter. Uh, no one should have Twitter. No. Let's just face it. No one should have Twitter. Um, but I, I do feel like the people do like good things. And uh, until the next Star Wars movie, we are awash in good things. Yeah. Who can say what's going to happen with whatever the last one is? The Who, Rise of the Taj? Rise of whatever. The Rise of Taj. Um, I will say this of the only, the the 50% of the cultural thing we're talking about with Star Wars, The Mandalorian. uh, I don't know anything about it. That's fine. Uh, I think it was the first couple episodes are written or directed by someone who uh, loves Star Wars. Wrote and directed like multiple episodes of the animated series and I think comic books as well. Which one? Uh, I think it was Clone Wars and Rebels. Which Clone Wars? Uh, there were well, two Clone Wars. There, were, there was the Gendi Tartakovsky, Powerpuff Girls one. Yeah. The miniseries. Yeah. And then there was the much longer, much worse animated, but actually, on average, much better Clone Wars 3D series. Yes. Okay. Uh, that one was actually very good. Um, it had a movie. On average, it was really good. The movie was actually bad. It was a truncation of a lot of... Oh, a lot of information on the Clone Wars. Okay, Uh, But the show was good. Uh, Sure. And Rebels, I've heard, is good too. I want to watch it. It's got Darth Maul in a bunch. Great. Um, Spoiler. But yeah, Dave Filoni was behind a lot of the stuff for The Mandalorian. And the thing that I genuinely feel watching The Mandalorian is, goddamn the people who made this really have love in their hearts for Star Wars. It really feels... Like an act of love in a sea of, like, moneyed apathy. I, I think we, we resonate when we can tell there's a pa- there's passion put into a project. Like, the, the every decision behind Enter the Spider-Verse... Yes. You can tell it didn't come from a place of, let's make some money. It came from a place of, this is going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. This is going to be hard. We're making a lot of stylistic choices, but we have reasons for those choices. And overall, they all play into the story... Are you ready to commit 10 years of time? Yes. And Amy Pascal and Sony Pictures were like, well, well, why the fuck not? We own Spider-Man. There is a dumb Twitter thing from about four years ago where everyone would post, damn, they didn't have to go this hard. Watching things like Spider-Verse and Mandalorian, I feel that. Yeah. Because I watched The Mandalorian like, this is a Star Wars weekly serial on Disney+, Plus, which signed more subscribers in its first day than HBO has in its entire lifetime. Yeah. 10 million people versus 8 million on HBO. Well, HBO Max hasn't launched yet. So. And there's a cost difference and everything. <laughs> but, like, there's a huge thing. Yeah. Um. But I'm like, this thing's going to be successful regardless. They did not have to try this hard. Mm-hmm. But Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni and the producers made a show that, like, as I was watching it, I was like, I feel like these people give as much of a shit about Star Wars as I do. Yeah. Because it's like it has so much care and love put into it and it's not great. Like the writing's not amazing, cinematography I guess could use some work, but like there's a there's an unmistakable unnameable sense that the people really gave a shit about making it work. Yeah. Like, even the weird CG stuff is meant to look like prosthetics from the original. Things are supposed to look like puppetry, even if it's CG. It's meant to look like a Star Wars movie. That's great. It feels real as hell. I feel like we're going to hit a saturation point like your experience at Walmart, where historically it's always been like executives versus creatives, where executives are like, I think I know what television is. And creatives are like, but this is a story I want to tell. Yeah. I think we're gonna hit a saturation of executives being fans. Yeah. Executives like, are you you know, like, we've got some stipulations about the brand, you can't show nudity, blah, blah, blah. But for the most part, they're be like, what's your pitch? Oh, we're really interested in that. And we we want to work with you to develop it, not in a way where we're gonna assert our, our weird authority over you, but in a way that we're going to suggest what resources we have to spare. Like, you say you want to make the CGI look like puppets? Hell, we know a guy who can do that. Yeah. Instead of, like, we want to use the most cutting-edge stuff, it's like, no, no, no. Yeah, no, let's make it look like Star Wars. You want to make shit look like Frank Oz? Here you go. Yeah, like, we've got, uh, you know, his, his, his son. Uh, well, what's a small Frank? Frank. <laughs> Weenie Oz. Weenie Oz. Uh, no, that very good. I, I just... Well, I, I, I think we're to the degree that large monopolies are evil. If they're learning how to make good things instead of just churning out another sitcom based on a sitcom or a remake based on a remake, I like when things play in a world like the Mandalorian is playing. I don't like it when it's Star Wars two. Yeah, absolutely. Don't just remake ideas, use new ideas, which this is something, to be clear, we're not going to talk about on the podcast, but if the fams want me to record a Less Than Zero where I explain how we have wrung the concept of Mandalore and the Mandalorians out of the expanded universe and made it canon, please... Uh, like this episode, because it's really interesting, because I am an expert in reading dozens of Star Wars books that have been stricken from the canon. I thought they were back in as, like, legends or whatever. Legends are non-canon. Oh, never mind. Legends are, like, stories. But the concept of Mandalorians, the planet of Mandalore, the Mandalorian people, uh, was largely... In the extended universe, details of that trickled into, I feel like, the thinner membrane. Is that the Revan stuff? No. Oh. Mandalorian, I'll talk to you about later. No, you won't. But no, I will forbid it. There was was like a trickle through the thin membrane to the animated series. The animated series, definitively canon because they were shown on a screen. So they had some Mandalore stuff, some Mandalorian stuff, particularly in Rebels, I think. So Isn't we, Darth Maul like a Mandalore man? We No, he's st- from a different planet. Yes. He's a Zabrak. That's what the Revan stuff is. Uh but we stole from the extended universe, and I feel like this is something that Star Wars creators are trying to do—is like slowly, like smuggle good ideas yeah. from the extended universe into the canon. Oh, oh, like a like a regular Han Solo, like a regular Han Salo. He had that monster on this ship, Carsec. Uh But no, they they have been like slowly smuggling little bits back into the canon. So the fact that we have a canonical thing that say. This is a Mandalorian, part of a warrior society that is disgraced and decimated. Yeah, Boba Fett. Boba Fett was originally supposed to be like a series of what George Lucas called Mandalorians, which are like super commandos. Then they just had the one guy, they made him a bounty hunter. Uh, But there's no like Mandalorian lore in the original Star Wars. The armor. Yeah, the armor is definitely a thing. Beskar. Escar is the material that makes the armor, which I can't even go into how much I like the Mandalorian. It's laser-proof. Yeah, kinda. Can't even go into the Mandalorian. Uh, It doesn't melt when uh, jet fuel is exposed to (laughs) it. Uh, But it does melt over the course of a thousand years in the belly of a Sarlacc. Rest in peace to a real one, Boba Fett. I thought... So the Mandalorian, here's... Okay, I'm gonna show a bit of my ignorance... The series, The Mandalorian, and I think you've already clarified this is not about Boba Fett. Let me, t- it's let me talk don't about. It. Just answer the question, <laughs> well, Your Honor. <laughs> to answer the question, we've got to talk about timelines. I don't want to. So you know the uh, the Battle of Yavin. Oh, it's very familiar. So wasn't Yavin? Yavin is the planet. Don't tell me where Maz is from. <laughs> so Yavin... <laughs> Where's Revan? Okay, so... Essentially, you can think about it this way. The entire original Star Wars trilogy takes place basically at 0 ABY, after the Battle of Yavin. I don't care. The Force Awakens... The first episode 7. Uh, 35 years after the Battle of Yavin. Yeah, roughly 35, 38 ABY. Yeah. So the Mandalorian takes place about 8 or 9 ABY. 8 or 9 years after the fall of the Galactic Empire. Okay, so Yavin, is that the Ewok planet? No, that's Endor. I knew that! Why the fuck am I asking? <laughs> but I'm just saying, it takes, Which one is goddamn Yavin? It takes place about 8 to nine years after the events of the star wars so obviously trilogy. boba fett is already in the sarlacc so this would be a different mandalore yeah it is a different mandalorian no a different planet named mandalore <laughs> so there is no planet mandalore you said there's a whole planet there is a planet mandalore but that's more in like the star wars rebels kind of who is Revan? <laughs> uh not important he also, the I, Knights of the Old Republic. Knights of the Old Republic, not canon anymore. Shut the... F- they've just... They've. BioWare's I, only good game. I don't think it's canon. I actually, Mass Effect 2 is probably the best thing they have ever made. I don't think made. it's canon, even though Knights Mass of the Effect Old Mass Effect 2 is, is absolutely canon. Knights of... Yes. Uh, it is canon, unfortunately, to the House MD universe. <laughs> <laughs> Far after the events of House MD, Mass Effect 2 takes <laughs> place. I want to make something... I want to make something that... Actually, weirdly enough, this is an extension of the Brady Bunch cinematic universe. You could reasonably say that anything that takes place far enough in the future is canonically yeah. part of an unassuming universe. A lot of people don't know, but Interstellar, Chris Nolan's Interstellar, was an extension of the King of the Hill cinematic yeah. universe. Yeah. It it keeps going. Yeah, The themes run through... Oh, Star Wars. So I uh, so we've talked about the two things I care about, Pokemon and Star Wars. Right, here's your list of options, because segues are for uh, people who can't walk. I've got Chick-fil-A, I've got South Dakota, and I've got Taylor Swift. So let me make a guess. Chick-fil-A no longer supporting L- anti-LGBTQIA+. And we can talk about... While wow, that's not as good, like, as big news as, as uh, it appears to be. I get really mad about Chick-fil-A on the podcast. We can maybe table that one. Okay. South Dakota, that's not the weird Pete Buttigieg thing where he sent out an email to a lot of prominent African-Americans oh. and said, if you don't reply to this email, it means you support me. So he put a bunch of their names on essentially an illegal newsletter and, and lot- put out a picture uh, of a Kenyan woman to support the African-American. F- Pete Buttigieg sucks. The real kicker of that Buttigieg story is that not everybody on that list of of black supporters were black. Yeah, no, about half of them were white. They were just southern. Yeah, Which was like, wow, wait, that shows what you think of the South, I guess. Yeah, Uh, two quick things, Pete Buttigieg. Number one, he has this, like, Douglas, what is it? No, the Douglas... Douglas... Plan, yeah, plan the Douglas plan to like, like give to, Pell Grant recipients like a certain amount of money for developing and undevelopers, which is basically an incubator for gentrification. Fuck Pete Buttigieg. Okay, I well, f- to, hate him. To 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 be frank, no, that wasn't the South Dakota thing <laughs> because that was a North Carolina thing. Maybe. Yeah, South Dakota is a, is a different thing. I don't know the South Dakota thing. What's the last one? Tether Swift, South Dakota. You want to talk about South Dakota? Because Taylor Swift. Well, is Taylor Swift the private equity thing? Yeah. Okay. Ah, God. I I would get the chance to talk about AOC if we talked about. Oh, uh, she retweeted. tweeted. You know what? Hit me with that T Swift because I don't actually know this one. All right. Well, so here's the thing. Last week, at the end of the week, while a lot of personal things were happening in my life. Yes. Uh, Taylor Swift did a pretty big post explaining the situation. She is up for like a Lifetime Achievement type deal at the American Music Awards. Mm -hmm. And there's a documentary on Netflix that's going to be uh, released sometime in the future about Taylor Swift. And in both of these regards, Scott Bakula... That's not his name. Don't besmirch the name Scott Bakula, <laughs> star of Quantum Leap. Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun. I can't believe that there's a human being named Scooter Braun. I'm sorry, that's a fucking, that's that's a little chittery, job of yeah. the hut kind of like shoulder guy. Yeah, yeah. Scooter wait, wait, yeah. Braun. What was his name? Uh, oh, Salacious Crumb. Salacious Crumb, yeah, yeah. I hate myself. <laughs> <laughs> and anyway. do some fucked up Salacious Crumb shit in uh, yeah. the Mandalorian. Weather. Oh, really? Yeah. If you care about Salacious Crumb, don't don't watch it. <laughs> don't watch. So these two people who own the rights to Taylor's early work were basically forbidding her from performing said work or using said work in the documentary unless she signed an agreement or basically agreed to one. Not re-record her original songs. Okay. As she's been planning to do. Basically a me for you deal. Yeah. I do a new album for you and you let me re-record my old songs and give me basically the ownership of my masters. Yes. They wanted her to agree to not do that. To be able to perform at her, the, the Lifetime Achievement Award and to use her own music in a documentary About her. So she posted on Twitter a really, really long tweet. Uh, I could read it here. You want me to? Sure. All right. It starts, Guys, it's been announced recently that the American Music Awards will be honoring me with the Artist of the Decade Award at this year's ceremony. I've been planning to perform a medley of my hits throughout the decade on the show. Scott Porchetta and Scooter Braun have now said that I'm not allowed to perform my old songs on television because they claim that would be re-recording my music before I'm allowed to next year. Additionally, this isn't the way I had planned on telling you this news, Netflix has created a documentary about my life for the past few years. Scott and Scooter have declined the use of my older music or performance footage for this project, even though there is no mention of either of them or Big Machine Records anywhere in the film. Scott Prochetta told my team that they will allow me to use my music only if I do these things, colon, if I agree to not re-record copycat versions of my songs next year, open parenthesis, which is something I'm both legally allowed to do and looking forward to, close parenthesis, and also told my team that I need to stop talking about him and Scooter Braun. I feel very strongly that sharing what is happening to me could change the awareness level for other artists, and potentially help them avoid a similar fate. The message being sent to me is very clear. Basically, be a good little girl and shut up, or you'll be punished. This is wrong. Neither of these men had a hand in the writing of those songs. They did nothing to create the relationship I have with my fans. So this is where I'm asking for your help. Please let Scott Porchetta and Scooter Braun know, how you feel about this? Scooter also manages several artists who I really believe care about other artists and their work. Please ask them for me for help with this. I'm hoping that maybe they can talk some sense into the men who are exercising tyrannical control over someone who just wants to play the music she wrote. I'm especially asking for help from the Carlisle group, who put up money for the sale of my music to these two men. Oh wow! Oh yeah. boy, that's fucking a... fucking fucking right. Yeah. Uh, I just want to be able to perform my own music. That's it. I've tried to work this out privately through my team but have not been able to re- resolve anything. Right now, my performance at the AMAs, the Netflix documentary and any other recorded events I am planning to play until November of 2020 are a question mark. I love you guys and I thought you should know what's been going on. Taylor. So you sent out that in like three pictures of text because Twitter is stupid. Yeah. Um... And the, of course, the public response was phenomenal. Like, people turned up. We turned up because, of course, we stand for Taylor. Yes. And uh, AOC turned up. A few days later, Elizabeth Warren turned up after she realized that it was a popular thing to do. Yeah, once Elizabeth Warren realized that uh, she needed to crawl out of the pocket of uh, private equity and actually softly condemn them. And the result of all of this is a little bit of backtracking on the S- two S.B.'s Scott Bacula. Why is it that I can't remember? Scooter Braun. Scooter Braun. Scott. Bruschetta? Yes. Bruschetta, like, like the like, meat like, on like bread. A yeah, yeah, like the meat on bread. They backtracked a little bit and they're allowing her to perform uh, music at the AMAs. I don't know if the Netflix documentary, uh, I don't know where that How that got resolved. But the response from Big Machine Records is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We never said anything like that. Because of course it is. I mean, what the fuck? It has to be. Yeah. So private equity. Please explain to me what that is. Uh, Private equity. I'll give you a choice. Do you want me to give you a clinical explanation or do you want me to give you a pessimistic explanation? Pessimistic, please. Uh, Pessimistic. Uh, Private equity is a bunch of people who get together and they choose to invest in things with the express purpose of getting the most profit out of them as possible. Uh, So, private equity, like a hedge fund, but more targeted? Hedge fund is more like investment. Private equity is more like, yeah, it's it's more like targeted on individual businesses or people. Uh, You ever heard the term vulture capital before? No, I have, yeah. Uh, Yeah, Vulture Capital refers to specifically private equity interests. And by the way, the Carlisle Group, which Taylor Swift has called on, is a pretty despicable private equity firm. So don't, like, be like a cheerleader for the Carlisle Group. I was was, like, she's calling them out because they sold her the rights to her music to these other people. Exactly. She probably wasn't happy with the Carlisle Group owning them in the first place. So private equity is just like big swinging dicks who can, like, put a lot of money where they need to. So, uh, a a really good example of what private equity does, because private equity is like one of the greatest sources of true evil in the world. Uh, you ever shopped at Toys R Us? Yeah. You know what a leveraged buyout is? No. A leveraged buyout is when people take, they take in debt to the tune of like billions of dollars to buy an organization. What? How does that work? Uh, let's say Toys R Us is up for sale. Okay. And you're a private equity firm. You want to uh, you want to secure about $1 billion worth of funding from groups who want the money back from you. Of course. And once you secure that, you have enough liquid funds to purchase Toys R Us. Right? Okay. Per your your leverage agreement with your debtors, you say, "Okay, okay, we're on the hook for three hundred million dollars of this. Here you go. The other seven hundred million, Toys R Us has to make that up." And then that puts Toys R Us in a bind. It puts go... it puts Toys R Us in a literally impossible position. And so they have to because they have to become infinitely more profitable than they were before to make up seven hundred million dollars to pay off the debt. ...that was incurred from the private equity purchasers who bought them. That's... It is a forced leveraged buyout. That is why Toys R Us went bankrupt and left left 30,000 people without jobs. Hold, time out. I read some some articles. I thought the reason Toys R Us went out of business was because millennials are not having babies. Yeah, millennials uh, aren't having babies. And it has nothing to do with why Toys R Us went bankrupt. Avocado toast. <laughs> Toys R Us went bankrupt because no one was able to pay the insane debt bill that whatever garbage private equity firm bought them placed on them. What gives these private equity firms or groups or coalitions the right to own the work of a singular artist? The law. <laughs> yeah, okay, they they can purchase intellectual property. They can purchase business. You can purchase intellectual property if the contracts up. Absolutely, they can purchase it from agents. They can purchase it from executives. Holy shit! What artist actually owns the work? Wait. So let's say you are okay, an up and coming artist. Let's say you have an agent, right? Yeah, right. Let's say you have an agent, or uh, more specifically, a record deal, a contract. Okay, yeah. So you've signed a contract a to three produce album a, deal. A three album deal. That contract can then be purchased at fair market value with some markup to a private equity firm. You can sell contracts. Absolutely. You. That's how the That's how the mortgage crash happened in two thousand eight. Well, that was all subprime mortgages bundled together. Mortgage back obligations. People selling mortgages. Yeah. Well, you I, can sell any obligation. Look. look. We both saw the Big Short. We, yes, you can sell any obligation. Yeah, you can sell contractual obligations. So have you ever of heard of... this is so? This is why John Oliver can buy medical debt. Yeah, you can buy contracts. How is Why is that legal? It's just a law. Have you ever heard of a viatical settlement? I have not. A viatical settlement is when people purchase your life insurance and make a bet as to when you will live or die. Okay, use that's you you prefaced the your opening statements about private equity firms as being absolute evil mm-hmm. that sounds evil as fuck yeah a lot of private equity firms do purchase viatical settlements uh and then oh god and and they will even price them out to be like oh this is an area where people typically are uh introduced to more like coal or irritants or radiation so these people are more likely to die let's buy up all their viatical settlements because they're gonna die earlier than their life insurance actuaries anticipate they Jesus. will fuck uh incredible but any contract typically speaking you could just buy private equity firms S- bought, for instance toys r us right yeah, they did. Leverage buyout, they force them to pay all their debt. They can't pay all their debt. However, when they can't pay the debt, it falls on Toys R Us. Toys R Us then immediately owes its creditors upon liquidation. They pay who they can. You go through the hierarchy of creditors. Once Toys R Us is insolvent, that's fine. The people who bought it, they reap the profits, but since Toys R Us's institution is no longer liquid, they have no obligation. They made quick profit making 30,000 people lose their jobs. And the same thing can be done for musical artists. They can purchase their contracts. they purchase their contracts so they own their music. That's fucked up. Private equity is straight up evil. So the music industry is just fucked up because artists don't own their work. Yeah, that is the ba- like that is the base level of fucked up. And then all this other, like, machinery is built on top of that. But the base level of why the music industry is fucked up is the baseline expectation is if you are an artist who creates music to be profitable, you cannot own your creative output. I mean, because, like, artists, actual, like, painters or sculptors or whatever, they don't have agents. They just sort of create art and then rich people overvalue it and buy it. Yeah, typically speaking, unless you get really popular... In which case, even someone who creates like art installations can have an agency. Yeah, well, I'm thinking like Banksy probably might have like a manager, but maybe not yeah. an agent. But I mean, the private and the manager is, is kind of like what, vestigial. And and private equity is much more ephemeral and also much more widespread than we imagine. Uh, for a little while, we almost elected a uh, hedge not hedge fund a private equity vampire to be president. Mitt Romney Mitt, Romo. M- Mitt Romney was one of the heads of Bain Capital. Bain Capital is an extremely prevalent private equity firm that has done this over and over again. They just gut companies, lose people jobs. I was wondering what would break first. Your wallet or your country. Uh yeah, no. Private equity is evil. I'm building capital. <laughs> and then uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, in her dressing down of private equity in front of a congressional committee, uh, actually mentioned Taylor Swift and Toys R Us and all this other shit. Well, I only care about T Swift. Of course. Uh, Tanya. Uh, however. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> no, shut up. <laughs> Uh <laughs> but she's but, become so big, she yeah. can take the Anya from Kanye. Yeah. Not just the yes, it's just, just K-West. Not just the Ye, but the Anya. Kanye uh, <laughs> Swift. But no, I. It, it's very interesting to think about like Taylor Swift. And this does not come up in music very often because private equity is not, to the best of my knowledge, extremely prevalent in music. It's usually a lot easier for them to just do a leverage buyout of a large corporation Fuck over, like, tens of thousands of people and just sleep easy at night. Uh, but Taylor Swift, given her her relative popularity and size, is a relatively easy well, she, target for private equity. She's the highest earning musician for the past, let's say, uh, three to five years. And for your average private equity firm, if they imagined that the easiest way for them to earn a profit would be to, metaphorically put a bullet in the back of Taylor Swift's head and kill her career, they would do that in a second. Yeah. it's that the Black Mirror episode? Uh, the, the one with uh, Miley Cyrus in it? I've not seen it. Okay, well, uh... Spoilers. I don't care. Well, just watch it. Um... Basically, they keep a uh, a musician in a comatose state and harvest songs from her brainwaves. Yeah, that's pretty much right. Uh, yeah. To keep the brand popular, but the actual musician is literally comatose. Yeah, but it's like medically induced. It's not like it's not like oh, we're just we're taking songs out of her 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 mind to uh, to 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 keep her spirit alive. No, it's like we're harvesting creative talent while. Reducing the person to a beehive of money, music. Yeah, that it, that is essentially what they do. I think that if there was one big win over the next ten years, and that is the uh, the abolishment of private equity firms like chokehold on on the American system, that would be like the biggest win. Private equity is genuinely, genuinely, genuinely evil. And then you don't want to get into, like, private equity firms buying up hospitals and then, like, literally killing people, which we won't get into on this podcast, but it happens. I think maybe, this might be idealistic, I feel like it should be prohibited or extremely difficult to make money... From not doing things. Yeah, but that's literally just what private equity does. A man or a woman swings an axe and, like, shops wood and gets paid for the wood that he or she produces. Mm -hmm. You should not get paid for taking a risk on a stock. You should not get paid for buying up and closing down things. Like, that... You. Money should be rewarded to making society better, not worse. No, it is a fundamentally diseased and broken system. Because we don't live in a society where someone who chops wood gets paid. We live in a society where someone chops wood is bought by another person for $1,000. And then they say, well, I had to take out $700 to purchase you. So you have to make up $700 to pay me back... But if you uh, are killed by your creditors, then I'm fine. But also any profits you make go directly to me. Yeah, that's fucked up. That's what... That's, to quote Rick and Morty, that sounds like slavery with extra steps. I mean, we have to be honest with each other and say that we live in a system where people can... Directly benefit from annihilating 30,000 jobs. Yeah, that's insane. In the case of Toys R Us. Yeah. And face no repercussions. That's stupid. It very, very much is. And Taylor Swift. If the only thing Taylor Swift brings to the table is making people realize how evil private equity is, great. I mean, she also releases like banging tracks. but Yeah, she great tracks. But if people realize that the Carlisle Group is evil, then maybe we're off to a good start. I mean, Lover is probably a pretty good album. We just need two hotties out there taking their private equity. We need the Taylor Swift, and you know who the other hottie is? Uh, Bernie Sanders. You can't. thought I was going to say AOC. No. But she's not my I type. Knew, I knew it was Bernie. You know, we dated for a while, me and AOC. Well, you can't say that. A what? No one can prove it. We can't talk about it now, but uh, I think it's become very clear in the recent days that uh certain democratic candidates are not for me but other democratic candidates have been consistent since the 1960s and really should be rewarded for it yeah sips beer we can't talk about it now other than the fact that uh, elizabeth warren did a massive backstep on medicare for all will never give it to us uh, Bernie Sanders has been fighting the shame shit forever, and uh, Pete Buttigieg is a vampire, and Joe Biden is incompetent. That's all we can really That's talk all about. all we can really say. We can only point out that Elizabeth Warren might be funded by a bunch of private corporations, and that Bernie Sanders refuses those same donations. That's all we can probably We can't talk about the podcast, but we can say, like, Elizabeth Warren refuses to acknowledge the coup in Bolivia, whereas Bernie Sanders openly admits that the coup in Bolivia uh helps Western interests as uh, literally killing people. But then we can't talk about it on the podcast. There's not enough time. No, no, we're actually out of time. Yeah. And... Uh, There's literally nothing else. Literally, we here. can't say anything else yeah. other than... Who is Castro? Castro? There was a Castro in the race. Julian like... Castro? Yeah, what, what, Who? who is, who no, is that no guy? One, no one cares. Is Bobby Gentle dead yet? One can hope. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, no, we, we can't talk about the Democratic field any longer. I think I I'm just sl- saying for all the people out there who I was talking about Elizabeth Warren for a while, I uh, told you so. I just want to say I wanna tested public option is no option at all. Anyway, we can't talk about that because we're out of time. We're out of time and I just want to sum it up very, very quickly by saying that if we lived in a world with infinite amount of creatures who could literally create energy as it's like their ability, and you could have a job as like a person who would just be a person who tames these creatures. And you could, like, be famous for just being really good at it. And it seems like everybody's kind of dumb at it. I think I would have a shot at being a commentator for the gym challenge televised broadcasts. All I'm saying is I wish I lived in Pokemon, where universal healthcare is a given... <laughs> Cause like Pokemon are healed for free. In the American system, it doesn't make any sense. You go to a hospital, you get a fifty thousand dollar medical bill. You go to a Pokemon Center. You get all your Pokemon healed. Pokemon Centers fall. <laughs> what I'm saying is, all was <laughs> never once and what I'm saying is this is a hundred percent editorializing on our one part. One percent of the pot of the people <laughs> They own 99% of everything. 1% of the Pokemon. 1% of the Pikachu. No one sees a Pikachu. Pikachu is owned by private equity firms. (laughs) And I'm just here to say, Ash needs his Pikachu. Uh. Here's young Ash. He is 10 years old and he wants a Pikachu. He should get a Pikachu. (laughs) People in the Galar region... They enjoy private Pokemon centers for everyone. We in Hoenn <laughs> are suffering under the 1%. I'm just from Kanto <laughs> trying to get you the Johto life. <laughs> Very good. We used, we used every Pokemon continent. I think we missed Sinnoh. Fuck off. And then there's the Aloha region. Shut up. Alola. Shut up. Don't nerd shame me. Anyway, yeah, you it this with. week, my friend. So that means you have to do the social media. If you want to send us your favorite Pokemon, all you got to do is send us a tweet at ZCPCWHJ on Twitter.com. ZCPCWHJ. John, what does that stand for? That stands for... Zokamon, Kokemon, Pokemon, Kokemon, Wokemon, Hokemon, Jokamon. It's my favorite version of the Pokemon rap. If you want to send us a longer diatribe why you think Sword and Shield are the worst Pokemon games ever, uh, you could send us a whole manifesto at Gmail. Uh, we Are Zero Credits Podcast at Gmail. That's not the name of our We Are Zero Credits Is a Podcast. At gmail.com. Send us your manifesto. Send us your Zanadesto. But please never send us your clandestine plans to take out certain politicians. We don't want to end up on a wash list. We are on Spotify. You can find us by searching Zero Credits. Zero Credit, open parenthesis, close parenthesis. On Spotify under the podcast section, we are there every week. When it updates, hopefully it updates every week. One time it didn't, and I found out on a plane. It was very annoying. We are on Facebook, but Mark Zuckerberg is a bad person. We're also on Apple Podcasts. Search for us on Apple Podcasts. We're zero credits, probably with the open parenthesis, close parenthesis. I don't know. We need ratings and reviews there if we don't get those. John will yell at me again. And I really can't handle that right now. Like Thanksgiving's coming up and Christmas. It's a really vulnerable time for me. I'd really, really appreciate if you would like and uh, rate and comment and review on our Apple Podcast profile so John doesn't yell at me. But most importantly... Uh, You know what I know, and uh, so does the NSA. Word of the mouth is the strongest force in the universe and the only way we can survive. So if you tell your FBI agent, they'll tell your friend's FBI agent, and then it kind of becomes like a snowflake. What are those things called? Terraforms? No. Terracotta? Nah. I can't remember what it's called. Fractal! It's like a fractal. It builds upon itself... Why was I thinking of tarot words? No one will ever know. But if you tell two friends and their FBI agents tell their friends, we will be insanely popular. Word of the mouth, tell, 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 tell. This is the only scenario where snitches do not get stitches. So like, do it. And I think that... Did I miss anything? You got it. Oh, fuck. And from everyone here at the Zero Credits two-bedroom, two-bathroom, two-living room, two-stairway, two-door, three-door, four-door, five-door studios, we would like to wish you a happy week! Goodbye! Goodbye! Goodbye. I don't feel good. Yeah, I also feel sick as fuck. That's it. (laughs) That episode sucked.